Sorry, I don't have a PowerPoint this morning, so we'll be old school. So if you have your, have your scripture with you, you can open with me to Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read just portions of the, verses 8 through 13. Now here, the Apostle Paul is quoting the psalmist. He's quoting Psalm 68, verse 18. And he's talking about the victorious Messiah and how he has conquered all of his enemies and how he ascends and how he pours out blessing and gifts upon all the people. And the next verse, verse 19, says, he daily loads us down with blessing and benefit. That's our good, good father. Hallelujah. So Paul takes these verses from the Old Testament and he expands them through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says this, when he ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. So we're going to continue this series today by talking a little bit about the the new covenant office of teacher. I've had the, the privilege to serve as a teacher both in the body of Christ and at the university for, for decades and there's a difference. We're going to talk, talk about that today a little bit. Now, as I was meditating on this, I knew Bruce asked us to share, and I was meditating on this. And, and you know, as a teacher with all the books, open piles everywhere, and getting down in the minutia of Greek words and stuff. And then the Lord visited me in the night. He woke me up. I, f- I found myself praying in the Spirit and, and meditating on Scripture as I was sleeping. And then gradually I, I thought, oh. I think the Lord wants to speak to me. So I got up and I spent some time just in prayer and worship, tongues and interpretation, praise flowing out, scripture flowing out. And the Lord blessed me so much. And he just embraced me and showed me a little bit of his glory, of who he is. Jesus. Jesus. It is about Jesus, our Savior, our Messiah, our High Priest, our Eternal King. When he was here in his earthly ministry... Jesus also stood in all five ministerial offices that we've been talking about. He's the expression, the perfect expression of that. He was the apostle, and the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 3.1 said, Holy brothers and sisters, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Consider him, brothers and sisters, Fix your eyes on him. Fix your heart on him. Look unto him, the author and finisher of our faith. He is the apostle. He's the epitome of an apostle. He is the sent one from the Father. He is the embodiment of the living word of God in human form. He is the apostle of all apostles. He's also a prophet. Jesus referred to himself as a prophet in Luke 13.33 and in Matthew 13.57. And Peter, in uh, Acts 3, Peter is quoting the Old Testament there. He's quoting Deuteronomy 18.15. He's quoting a prophecy that came through Moses, who was a prophet that God raised up, when he said, the Lord will raise up a great prophet like unto me, but greater than me. He is the one you should listen to. Jesus is the prophet who came to reveal not only the word of the Lord, but the character of the Lord. He revealed the glory of the Father. 
Not only was he apostle and prophet, he was an evangelist. Luke 4.18, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news. And he said in Luke 4.43, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. That is why I was sent. Not only is he apostle and prophet and evangelist, but he is pastor. He is the great shepherd. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. And Peter, his apostle, called Jesus the chief shepherd, the chief pastor. And he called him the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Bishop means the overseeing shepherd, the overseeing pastor of all the pastors. So Jesus is the apostle, Jesus is the prophet, Jesus is the evangelist, Jesus is the pastor, and Jesus is the teacher. When Mary Magdalene came to the tomb on the day of his resurrection and encountered her risen Lord, she said, Rabboni, Rabboni, teacher, master. And Jesus proved himself to be the master teacher, the master equipper in equipping his disciples to be teachers. And Nicodemus, remember Nicodemus? Famous Pharisee, ruler of the Jews, master scholar of the word and teacher, came to Jesus and Jesus instructed him and said, what? You're a teacher of of Israel and you don't understand these things? How can I talk to you of heavenly things if you don't understand earthly things? So Jesus was the great master teacher and master equipper. Hallelujah. Jesus stood in all five of these offices, and he demonstrated for us in his earthly ministry the perfect function of all five of these specific anointings, because God gave him the Spirit without measure. These offices have to do with anointings, special anointings of God, to fulfill his will and his purpose in the church. Now, Jesus, upon his ascension and his seating at the right hand of the Father, poured forth the promise of the Father. He poured out the great gift, the great and mighty Holy Spirit of the living God upon us, upon all flesh. So Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is the teacher. At the Last Supper, just before his crucifixion, his last words to his disciples, he said this, I'm quoting from John 14 and verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And he shall bring all things to your remembrance, everything I have said to you. The Holy Ghost is the great teacher. Jesus said this in John 16, 13. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own initiative. But whatever he hears, that will he speak. That's the truth and no lie. (laughs) Christ means anointed. Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit to function in these offices. Jesus has also sent that same Spirit to dwell in us. And he functions in and through us just as he did through Jesus. Now, none of us speaks on his own initiative if we're submitted to the will of God. But just as whatever the Father said, that's what Jesus spoke. Whatever Jesus says, that's what the Holy Spirit speaks. And whatever the Holy Spirit speaks, that's what we speak. 
So we're all in one accord, all in agreement with Father God, with his perfect will. Because the Spirit searches the heart of God, and he reveals the mind of God to us and through us. So the Lord, I felt like the Lord put me, he put all this in perspective for me, you know, talking about ministry offices. He is the teacher. He is the Lord. He is the master, and our eyes are on him. Now, John, the beloved apostle, wrote this in his first epistle, chapter 2 and verse 27. The anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him, you live in him. Amen? He's talking about you. He's talking about me. Hallelujah. Now, if we all have this divine anointing of the great, mighty teacher living in us, the Holy Spirit of truth who teaches us all things, then do we really need human teachers? I think we do. (laughs) Obviously, the Apostle John, the author of these spirit-inspired words, thought these people needed some instruction. That's why he wrote a letter to them, giving them instruction. And John believed that those who present sound doctrine are a gift from God. So in this time, until, until he is perfectly manifest, we need these gifts that he has placed in the body of Christ to help us. Our golden text, Ephesians 4.11, shows us that the Lord Jesus, when he ascended, in addition to pouring out the Spirit, gave these special gifts in the form of individual persons individual people. He calls people to these offices, including teacher. Jesus, the embodiment of all godly wisdom, knows that we need teachers in the church and that we can derive tremendous blessing from them. And it says so in the good book. Now, unlike a secular career, no human being can elect himself to these offices. Now, you, can, you want to be a, a teacher, you want to work with children, you want to be a professor at the university, you can choose that career, you can be trained in that, and you can do that with your natural giftings and abilities. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about divine offices instituted of God, set, appointed, put in place by the master himself. God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, calls, appoints, anoints, and endows individuals within the body of Christ to stand and to function effectively in these offices. And without his anointing, we can do nothing. Divine appointments require supernatural equipping. And thank God he provides that to us. Glory. So a new covenant teacher does not depend on merely natural skills and you know, inclinations, although they may be present, but on divine endowment. Now, by the way, we speak of the Father's gift. We speak of the gifts of Jesus. That's what we're talking about today. We speak of the Father's gifts. We speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If you're interested in more teaching on this, please come to the discovery class, which will kick off in March, March and April, 
And we'll be talking about all those things. And we'll be talking about that motivation of teacher that some of us were born with, that the Father put in you. But today we're talking about divine appointments and supernatural gifting. Now, what then is the function and the importance and the effect of teaching within the body of Christ? First, in regard to function, uh, a distinction may be drawn between what might be called a practitioner teacher who is able to minister blessing to the people of God under an anointing. So you have the practitioner teacher, and then you have something that might be called a master teacher or an equipper teacher who is mature, well-experienced, and gifted to be able to impart and equip other people who are called to the ministry of teacher to stand in the office of teacher. So we have these two distinctive functions of divine gifting for teachers. So secondly, then, what's the importance of teaching? Now, I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this for a moment. What was Jesus' custom? What was his habitual method of ministry? Any ideas? Parables, stories, yeah. Definitely part of his ministry. Listen to this, Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus was going about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and sickness among the people. Now, it says the same thing in Matthew 4.23 and many other places in the scripture, but I like, we'll use this one as an example. So what did he do first? Teaching in their synagogues. Generally, his custom, not that he did this every time, he's led by the Spirit. He does whatever the Father says to do. But generally, what he did was he went into a village, a community, and he went into the synagogue and he began to open the scrolls and to teach. Mark 1.21 says they went into Capernaum And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered into synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his doctrine. (laughs) Jesus was a good teacher. (laughs) Hallelujah. Why do you think he put teaching first? Why did he teach first? Yeah, why is it important to do that? Amen, brother. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to receive the blessings of God. So Jesus starts by telling the people it's God's will to bless you, to heal you, and and delivering to them from the scriptures all the things concerning himself as the embodiment, as God's Messiah, the embodiment of his blessing. Luke 5, 15 said that great multitudes of people came to hear and to be healed. To hear and to be healed. So they came and sat like Mary at his feet and listened to his teaching, and then the power of God flowed in for healing. Teaching and preaching access and release the dunamis, the dynamite power of God to confirm the word with signs and wonders following. Hallelujah. Luke 4.16 says, Jesus came to Nazareth, that's his town where he'd been brought up, where people knew him after the flesh, and as was his custom, 
as was his custom. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah, and he opened the scroll and down, 60 chapters worth of scroll. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach, to set free, to heal, and to do all the works that God has promised. And then he rolled up the scroll and he said, this day, this word is fulfilled in your hearing. And he began to teach the meaning of that and demonstrate that. Amen? That's Jesus' custom. His custom was to read from, to quote from, and to teach from the Holy Scripture of God. This was also the custom or the manner of the apostles of the Lamb and their colleagues, men and women, people like Peter and Paul, people like Apollos, people like Aquila and Priscilla, people like Titus and Timothy, and I wish I had time to share with you all the wonderful verses that I read through yesterday about all how the method and manner of these people, but you can look it up. <laughs> now, one indication of the importance of the, the teaching gift, the office of teaching, is that it's the only one of the ministerial gifts that's mentioned in all three lists that Paul writes. Paul makes a list in Ephesians 4, one in Romans 12, and one in 1 Corinthians 12, where he talks about the uh, ministry gifts. And teaching appears in all three of those gifts. Not all of them do. In 1 Corinthians 12, 28, teaching is listed as the third of the three greatest gifts. He says, God set in the church, first of all, apostles, and second, prophets, and third, teachers. Then, after that, workings of miracles, gifts of healings, administrations, helps, and all the other great things. Interesting. And Paul tells us we're to earnestly desire, at the end of this passage, he says, we are to earnestly desire the operation of the best gifts in the church. So uh, the gifts of the Spirit and the gifts of Jesus. We're to extend our faith to God and to believe Him and trust Him and expect Him to operate all of His gifts through the body of Christ so that we can receive the manifold blessings of the Father. Amen? Um, I think maybe I have time to share this. One of my, one of my teachers, one of my tutors in Christ, had a vision of the Lord Jesus. He had several open visions of the Lord Jesus. But uh, in February of 1959, he had an open vision of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus instructed him in many things. And in particular, he was talking about his appointment to the office of teaching and also prophet. And here's what, according to this person, he's quoting what Jesus said to him in his vision. Jesus said, the teaching office to the church is more important than working of miracles or gifts of healings. Not that those things aren't wonderful, desirable blessings, but he said, hey, my church, my children, Know me. They know my goodness. They know my word. They can receive healing. Many, many ways the Lord ministers healing. These special things are associated with the work of the evangelist. They're particularly for the lost. Because God loves everyone. And he reaches out to us in a multitude of ways. Hallelujah. So thirdly, I want to talk about the effect of the teaching gift in the body of Christ. And in connection with what I just said, 
uh, I, I had occasion for many years to teach in a healing school. And when I was teaching, just teaching, people would be healed in the congregation. Sometimes people would come to me. I didn't have a chance to lay hands on them yet. I didn't, Lord, I didn't even get to pray for them yet. And they got healed just sitting under the ministry of the Word of God. So there's power present to heal when we teach. Teachers instruct us through scriptural exegesis as well as through parables, stories, examples. Teaching's not dry. God calls it watering. <laughs> Apollo's water. I planted Apollo's water. He's talking about the teaching gift. Hallelujah. Teachers establish us in the fundamental doctrines of Christ. Now, true teachers shun division. We do not want to cause division or schism in the body. We want unity in the body. And so, teachers help us understand the essentials of the faith. One of the things that I love about this church, the barn, this fellowship, and I'm so blessed by the barn, in that here we uphold unity in the fundamentals, in the essentials, and liberty in the non-essentials. Glory to God. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own heart. Search the scriptures. See what the Lord says to you about those things that are debatable. But when it comes to the essentials of the gospel, we have unity. And teachers establish us in those essential foundations. Teachers edify us. They encourage us. Edify means build up. And they help us to be strong spiritually. Teachers water the seeds of God's word, bring things to maturity so that we can bear fruit to the glory of God. Teachers engender faith for walking in healing and in all of God's blessings and promises. Teachers show us how to apply God's word in practical ways in our daily life. Teachers equip each of us, all of us, all saints, for the work of the ministry and service. As a kingdom of priests, we do service before the altar of the Most High. Teachers train up others who are called to the same office, attracting and training and helping to equip other teachers to grow into their calling. Teachers help remedy and remove doubt and belief. Do you know when Jesus was ministering in, his, in the town where he was raised up, Nazareth, Mark 6, 5 and 6 said, he could there do no mighty work, no mighty miracles, Happened in Nazareth. Why? Because they knew him after the flesh. They just esteemed him. They didn't extend faith to Yahweh to receive the blessing. Like, Who's this guy? He's a carpenter's son. Here's his brothers and sisters. Who does he think he is? And it says Jesus marveled because of their unbelief. So he's saying that it's be- their unbelief blocked the flow of God's power to them. They were hindered from receiving what God wanted to do for them because of their unbelief. So that's a big problem for us. (laughs) Doubt and unbelief we need to get rid of. So what did Jesus do? The next verse, verse 6, says he went round the villages teaching because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Sound teaching steadies prophetic activity within the church. That all things be done decently and in order to the glory of God and to the edification of all people. It clarifies the place of Scripture in the Spirit-led, Spirit-empowered church of God. Amen? Yeah. 2 Timothy 3.13 says that all Scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable 
to the man of God for teaching, reproof, reproof, correction, training in righteousness that every person might be equipped, fully prepared to, for every good work in the kingdom of God. Amen? Uh, as theologian N.T. Wright has said, in order to properly understand the authority of God as it is expressed through Scripture, we should understand the Bible as narrative. Hmm, Jesus taught in stories. God's telling a story. And the Scripture is the story of God's great work told in a five-act drama. First act is creation. Second act is the fall. Third act is his dealing with his people, Israel. Fourth act is the coming of the promised Messiah, Jesus. And the fifth act is the works of God through his church. Hallelujah. So growing in this understanding of Scripture helps us to rightly handle the word of truth and to understand the proper relationship between the Old Testament and the New Testament, things like that. So thank God. Some, I like to think of, of Scripture study and teaching as a trellis. Think of a trellis and a vine. A trellis provides structure. The vine is full of life. It goes this way and that way. Hey, you need, you need direction from God every moment of your life. There's things you can't find in the book about what you need to do tomorrow, right? Or today, five minutes from now. So we need to grow in the knowledge of that. So Scripture is the trellis, scripture and sound doctrine are a trellis that works with the spirit to grow that vine of the, the life in the spirit in our lives individually as we mature. Teaching helps us to learn how to recognize the voice of God. Is that the Lord? Or is that just me? Or is that the enemy? Scripture provides clarity so we can learn how to hear accurately. Come to the Hearing the Voice of God class and hear more about that so we can be led by the Spirit. Finally, teachers guard and protect against false doctrine and error of all kinds, errors in thinking, errors in believing, things that can uh, hinder God's grace from flowing into our lives in the magnitude that he wants, that he desires to bless us. And they help us remember God's truth. And, you know, Paul said this, Peter said this, it's many places. I'm going to stir you up. I'm going to remind you of these things, lest at any time you should let slip the truth that you have known. So thank God for the ministry of teaching in the body. We need all of the gifts. We need all of the anointings to function according to the will of God in the body in that body life, so that we can be blessed because we are one body and we are all mutually dependent upon one another. Amen? I am so excited about what the Lord is doing in this season of barn, of the barn's life. And I'm so excited about what he's going to do in releasing the anointing of teaching and all the other gifts into our body. So to, to bring this message to close, uh, my, my partner in life and ministry, Abby Mason, is going to come share a few words with you by way of conclusion. Yeah, let's welcome her. And uh, what happened to that mic? Where is it? Ah, oh, there it is. Because I'm more humble than rest. <laughs> the greater anointing. Well, first, the most important thing is that the power went out in Newark 
just before I was able to plug in my hot iron and do my hair. I'm just saying, you know. (laughs) But I think, you know, what Lynn said about how amazed she is about how the Lord coordinates. And I felt, you know, Russ is such a good teacher, and he's, he's taught this before. And, but I felt like I wanted to add something, and I, I felt like I wanted to add just kind of a testimony about how I saw teaching operating at the Father's Heart <laughs> School. And just, I thought it's just so interesting how the Lord brought that together. Russ and I had attended the Father's Heart School a couple years ago uh, when it was first held here. And then this past year, this past September, we were able to help out serving food, you know, keeping toilet paper stocked in the bathrooms and hearing the teachings through the, uh, through the uh, PA out in, in the atrium and, you know, trying to keep Bob and Tam on track. Of course, that's a joke. We were trying to keep up with Bob and Tam. <laughs> but like the first conference, the second conference, to me, looked like it was attended mostly by people who, like myself, have a few miles on the old odometer. People who had been in the church, been in the Lord for decades. Some from the barn, but most, I think, from other churches. And by the end of the conference, these veterans were having new and powerful revelations not really about the love of God, but in the love of God, and particularly in the love of the Father. And some of them had been to previous Father Heart schools before. Some of them had been to many previous Father's Heart schools before, and they, too, were having deeper revelation about the love of the Father. Well, how was this happening? You know, uh, being able to be more of an observer... This year, I felt like I gained some insight into the magic of the Father's Heart Conference. They started out having anointed teachers teach for maybe an hour at a time about the love of God as revealed in Scripture and giving testimonies of that truth in their lives. And then they would sila, let the participants soak, pray, take a walk, rest, chat with others and have time for the message to be digested. And then they would eat. And then they would have another anointed teaching about the love of God as revealed through the scripture and give testimonies of that truth in their lives. And then they would see law again, let the participants soak, take a nap, pray, go for a walk, chat with others. And then they would eat again. And this pattern was repeated throughout the week, and interspersed with these were some really important activities to help seal the teachings and act on those teachings. But to me, and maybe it's because I'm a teacher, by and large, it looked to me that the Father's Heart School was powered by excellent, scripturally-based messages and related testimonies delivered by loving, anointed teachers and then giving it time for the truth and the message to do its work. You know, what Russ said, that teaching is useful, or the scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching reproof, correction. And that that anointing that abides within, that no one has to teach us, when the scripture, you know, is, is taught by people who have that revelation in them. And then the anointing that dwells within each of us. And when those come together, then there's revelation. That was the magic 
Well, by about Wednesday, I, I perceived a shift in the people at the Father's Heart School. I felt like I was seeing like a landslide just slide down the side of a mountain, mountains crumbling into the sea. One participant, a veteran, been in the church for decades, been saved for decades, told me that the Lord showed her that she'd been a people pleaser most of her life. (laughs) And, you know, I've had that just recently in past months. I had the Lord correct a priority in my heart that I had had amiss for 47 years. (laughs) There was another woman who was at least in her 50s, and I hadn't wanted to interact with her because she radiated anger. And then one day toward the end of the week, I kind of braved it, and I said, Hi, (laughs) how's it going? And she said, I'm angry. She said, if this is true, why haven't I been told about this before? She said, if this is true, why haven't I known this before? See, it wasn't magic. It was the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Not your righteousness in him, as important as that is, but his righteousness towards us. His faithfulness to keep his covenant. His faithfulness to rescue us. His faithfulness to bring us into his heart. Because he loves us and he's always loved us. And while the importance of the Father's heart, school, and the revelation that comes through that can't be overstated, that's not all. That's not all there is. I can't imagine we will ever fully plumb the depths of this story. How Yahweh, the God of the Jews, has become the King of kings and Lord of lords. And how he has swept us up into his story. How he has located us on the map of his kingdom. Our salvation is not a past event that happens and is accomplished in one flash of faith. It is a walk of faith, day by day. As the one who has begun a good work in us will perform it until the end. He is the author and finisher of our faith. And we need the power of God that's released through the gospel, that's released through the apostles and the prophets and the teachers and the evangelists and the exhorters and the artists and the dancers and the singers. We need that power of the gospel released into our lives every day. And you know, at the... At the Father's Heart Conference, unfortunately, I'm, I feel grieved to say this, but I know it's true. It's true in my life, and I see it again, that the power of the Scripture, or the power of God released through the Scripture for correction is a lot of what was happening because we had wrong images of who God is. And so we need the Scripture to correct that. And the grieving part is that some of that was learned in the church. And so we have to keep hearing the story to get it right, to get it better, because sometimes it hasn't been that way. Wish I could blame not being free from my notes on the power outage, but I, I think we had windows. <laughs> so... Teachers are those who have the great honor to keep 
telling the story. So that the power of God unto salvation through the teaching gift will help equip us for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Teachers are those whose privilege it is to study and pray, to tell the story better and better, until no one can say, why wasn't I told this before? Why haven't I known this unto now? And you know what the Lord did in the service today? I just want to exhort you that teaching will help you. If the Lord did something, teaching will help you hold on to that. If the Lord didn't do something but you want it, teaching will be a part and will help you into that. Teaching will help you hold on to what happened today. So, praise God. It'll be a pleasure. It is a pleasure. It has been a pleasure and will continue to be a pleasure to be a part of the teaching ministry here at the barn. Thank you. What we're doing is recognizing the various giftings of God among us in a more, I guess, a more formalized way, a more obvious way. And uh, we're going to be recognizing the the teaching team. Um, We believe that certain ones have demonstrated proficiency in teaching and have taught the body. So we're going to recognize them. And um, uh, But I want to say something, that many of you can teach and are anointed teachers. And maybe you haven't emerged as fully into this context of ministry as you have done in other ones or um, and or there's going to be a greater opportunity for you in the future. So this is a list not of the only potential teachers in the church, but just those recognized now. Okay, that's important to understand because we're not limiting. Same way with apostles, same way with prophets, etc. This isn't to limit It's only to recognize what God has currently done. So the teaching team, come forward. Bruce, would you come forward first, please? The rest of you guys, if you're here. Oh, man, look at this there. All right. Lord, we thank you so much for the fullness of the ministry giftings that you're releasing into this church. And thank you, Lord, that this is all part of you forming us and releasing us into the fullness of our destined identity in you, God. And we thank you. We thank you for these who have been gifted by the Son with the teaching anointing in a special way, a way to edify the church and become equippers of others in this ministry as well. So, Lord, let's all stretch out our right hands of blessing, guys. And we, right now, bless and confirm and pray extravagant anointing on these in Jesus' name. Let the teaching anointing from Jesus himself flow into and out from this team of teachers, throughout this body of believers and out into other churches as well 
and wherever you would take them, that your kingdom would be extended in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If any of you guys have any prophetic words, even right now, as you've uh, looked at these, if you look at any and you see anything prophetic on them, the Lord's given you something, go up to them after the meeting and give them those words. In Jesus' name. Okay. Artisans Fair out in the atrium, and I think maybe maybe outside on the sidewalks. Is, everybody's inside at the atrium. Okay. All right. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. If you do need ministry, we're not forgetting that. If you want physical healing ministry up here on the left, prophetic ministry will be available to the right of the stage. Whoa!